welcome back everybody i i'm back i went to paris and then i came back so thank you for waiting uh today we're going to be talking about the two live crew job and i have lisa lynn back with me yay it's been like it's been like three three episodes since you were here did you miss me steve i did i did <laughs> um it's fun to have different uh people's perspectives but then when i'm not with somebody that i talked to the time previous i missed that person and if only we could all be in a room and talk about leverage all together that would be a perfect world but uh as it we is work on that maybe we, we need to do a gathering in houston next year or something yes come down. it'll be lovely okay so this episode the true live crew job aired on august 26 2009 which is actually my dad's birthday <laughs> Yeah. Um, it was directed by Dean Devlin, which is totally obvious in the beautiful, beautiful camera work. I think this is one of the prettiest episodes. Uh, and it was written by Amy Berg, who we love. And then of course our executive producers, John Rogers and Chris Downey. All hail Amy Berg. Yes, all hail Amy Berg. Amy Berg is is great. And this episode is really great. So Nate and the crew try to recover a, pain, recover a painting originally stolen by Nazis, only to run into a rival crew in the midst of a bigger heist. Um, which is so fun. Like, just the idea of other crews out there doing something similar to our guys. I mean, like... But not similar, you know, but being bad guys, trying to do it. I mean... It's, it's cool. The... The beginning, which is okay, like let's start off saying this is actually one of my top favorite episodes mm-hmm. of the whole series. Like I loved it for so many reasons. As you mentioned, it's written mm-hmm. by my best, all hail Amy Berg. Um, <laughs> Devlin obviously again shot the hell out of it, you know, and Chris and John and do what they do. Mm-hmm. Like, rain trains running on time, you know, and it's a great episode. And um, they're great sending off to Gina Bellman as she goes off on semi-maternity leave. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's an interesting arc for, for Sophie's character and what she's doing here. I, I, I think that the way that they dealt with her needing to leave for most of the season was pretty brilliant, or half the season anyways, because this is about halfway through the second season. Yeah, I just I think, I think it's pretty brilliant. They had this whole vision of what Sophie was going to her character arc throughout the season, but they had to kind of change it and compress it because of extenuating circumstances because she mm-hmm. never decided to pop out a baby. So, yeah, it's still a quite fabulous doing so, I might say. I know. I, I wonder how far she was into her pregnancy because they, I mean, they, as we've been talking about in the last several episodes, they make sure that she's standing behind things or she's holding something or she's wearing a large jacket or a flowy dress but or they shoot from like the neck up or something yeah. Like, yeah or like literally someone standing right in front of her and she's peeking over their shoulder but um even the scenes in this episode especially like when she's in the cemetery and you see a full body shot like you can barely tell that she's pregnant i mean like she just looks like she's wearing a big coat and maybe she's put on a couple pounds like She's she just, in no way looks super pregnant. So Harry's like, I guess it'll I don't know. I never I, yeah, 
some people don't really show until late or some people don't show very much at all so yeah i think she looks she looks completely normal um so we start out uh nate and sophie are talking to two elderly people uh the mercers who are a brother and sister and it's their life mission to recover cover art stolen by the nazis uh, adorable like they're cute old people they are really cute old people do you think that man is really an old man or do you think that was makeup i what makes you like what bump, what bump, what did you bump up against i mean do you think that there was a makeup job going on the age I, of- I don't know i think like his hair looked not quite real <laughs> but i can't figure out which person he is on the imdb page um, because uh, Olivia Mercer has the first and last name, but then nobody else, I don't know what his first name was, because there's an Adam and a Barney, Not probably not Carlos. Um, I, so I'm thinking it's Adam. Barney but, would be an old person name. Yeah. Barney. Barney is an old person name, but I mean, it has to be a young person's name at one point so they can get to be old. But They just got hijacked by the dinosaur, which is a shame. Yeah. And I think, so I think it might be, yeah, it did. Um, well, Barney Stinson brought it back. But do you want your name to be read by Barney Stinson? <laughs> no, I don't want it to be either. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't want it to be like, oh, Barney, like the dinosaur. Oh, Barney, like from my big, my, what is it? How about your mother? Um, okay. So I think it's this guy named Jason Coffey and I, I'll have to look up and see if he's actually old because he didn't look that old to me. Like he looks fake old. I mean, Am I alone in this? Do you think he looks? I mean, they are doing amazing things with prosthetic prostheses these days, and like, they, yeah. You know, I mean, I didn't necessarily think that was a makeup job, but maybe, I mean, maybe they had to age him a little bit. Maybe, yeah. Like, like I'm not. I don't think he was like 20 playing. 80. Maybe he was like in the 60s, but they had to age him into the 80s to be age appropriate. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And they're local actors, so, you know, they, I don't know. Shout out to the deep bench of the Portland acting community. I know. I love, they're just getting to add their, you know, get their SAG cards and <laughs> so good. Just Portland in general. Thank you, Portland. So anyways. Um, I, I feel like it's on my list. I want to visit Portland. Oh my gosh. I want to I visit Portland really badly. Uh, so this is the Pacific West. Northwest. Pacific Northwest in general girls trip let's go let's do it um everybody who is involved in let's go steal a podcast that's where our trip will be (laughs) we'll just go have a leverage con ah con and we'll meet we'll meet in portland yes we'll meet in portland and we'll find a microbrewery (laughs) that's where we'll set up shop okay okay that all right table that for now because we have to go back and talk about klimt um and nazis that's not how we roll just give up that's not how no we- no it's we, we have to i want to i want to talk about this episode because it's so good so okay. good okay <laughs> put a pin in leverage con um, <laughs> we need to get a bigger following so we can actually do this okay so yeah so their life goal is to recover art stolen by the nazis um but they have a family painting uh, of theirs that their father smuggled out of the country before he uh was you know they don't go into details but he did not make it out of, okay. of, of you're, an art, you're an art history major right correct uh no I, i'm a history major with an art minor but yeah okay. thoughts on gustav klimt 
in regards to like, like my you, personal preferences like what what do you think of his art like oh I like Klimt yeah um I really like this painting which is called Hygieia and it was actually uh part of a like a triptych or three paintings mm-hmm. that was supposed to go into a um I think a Vienna college and then it actually never ended up being installed and um this painting that they talk about here was actually destroyed by the nazis during the war Uh, and they chose that one because they didn't want to choose a painting and have it implied that you know if that painting's still out in the world have it implied that these people bought it on the black market there may be some copyright issues and stuff as well yeah yeah Yeah, so this this painting is actually which is really upsetting because it's gorgeous doesn't exist i don't know a ton about the symbolist which symbolists which is the school that uh klimt was part of but um i mean everyone knows the kiss which is like classic and maybe a little over overdone but i i did like this piece a lot i mean the first thing was like first of all like i find it interesting for me personally i really don't know much about art as mm-hmm. i'm kind of I kind of like what I like. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know Pollock throwing paint cans at a canvas and calling it art. I mean, like, Van Gogh is great. I mean, like, I I, I mean, Picasso with, like, the eye here. <laughs> there. Yeah. It, it just doesn't do it for me. I'm a Phil, I mean, I, I'm a Philistine. I mean. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not for everybody. I mean, so, I mean, and. I don't love Picasso because he was a total asshole, but. uh <laughs> I saw his Guernica in person. Guernica's is really powerful. Yeah, I've seen that one too, but. I mean, I just remember, I think it may have been an episode of like Call or some other show where they're talking about art and they show her and I'm like, that's a Clint! That's a Clint! <laughs> You're like, I recognized it. I know. Leverage is educational. It is. It really is. It really is. And also, I just, interesting how the, how the whole Nazi art thing is a whole I mean, you've watched White Collar. Uh, Bits, yeah. I mean, they had this whole storyline about stolen Nazi art. Yeah, no, it's, it was a real thing. Like it, and it, it it's still reverberating throughout the art world. I mean, interesting is how many writers or like showed like, like jumped in on that for like story possibilities, like stolen Nazi art. I mean, it's. Yeah. Leverage does it twice. (laughs) Which episode, which is the other episode with Nazi art? The Van Gogh job? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I just, so I just thought from a storytelling perspective that they went to that well. It's interesting, but I didn't know that well was that rich for storytelling. Oh, yeah. All the possibilities from that. And I love it. Like, I'm a sucker for that. It, it's, it's heartbreaking, but it's also exciting all, all the different possibilities that you can you can get out of it um and i thought this uh watching this episode was just <sighs> this show even though you know it's like 10 years old is so prescient so prevalent right now like we're watching this we're talking about this episode that is is trying to return stolen items to a jewish family um right after we have this horrific shooting in a synagogue you know, like just a week before we're recording this. And it's, it's so eerie. And, and like, and Sophie throughout the show says, you know, we have to do right by these people. We, you know, we have to give them their painting back. 
this is the oh, this is a one chance at getting justice, and we can't let them down. Yeah, like they they deserve this, and we you know we're gonna do everything we can. And and Nate is so caught up in in the job that he's like, yeah, 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 the Mercers, but you know Sophie's got this focus on the on the people. And so I'm so excited that the leverage team spoiler, is able to get the painting back for the Mercer. Oh. So, um, yes, yeah, so we have the adorable Jewish siblings. And um, so the painting was bought on the black market. They've, they've located it was bought on the black market by um, a software CEO who An basically. Lizard yes. Mr. Mr. North, I believe his name is. And he is, uh, I think. The only leverage mark who we don't actually see. Like there's the picture of him in the magazine article, but we don't actually see him. Uh, and so he's displaying this in his office. Uh, he's bought off a judge and blocked all the other legal things that the Mercers have tried to do. So uh, Nate and Sophie are happy to take this case. Kind of like a Jacob Wall situation. Don't even like... Uh, so the entire crew, um, I really, I think this is a really neat thing that they do. They, they go in as cops and detectives and our, our heist starts right away. Nate and Sophie are detectives Marlowe and Archer. So these are our references here. Philip Marlowe, Raymond Chandler's character. And um, Detective Archer is based on Lou Archer, who uh, Lou spelled L-E-W, uh, which is a character written by Ross McDonald, who is apparently a very famous detective that i have never heard of i don't know and ross mcdonald is a canadian author so i'm going to blame it on that it's canadian he's canadian so i don't know him very well but he's apparently very well known so our, sorry i've our, let down this genre our inferior cousins to the north oh yes <laughs> um we, i don't know if we can call them inferior anymore when they have justin trudeau and we don't and so instead of <laughs> instead of going through the trouble of getting around all of the crazy security that the, this north guy has on his office they're just going to break in through the neighboring office and literally cut a hole in the wall and take the wall interesting that parker says like this is weak we're taking the easy way out i know well and that's literally just the storytelling trick to get hardison to explain why they're doing it this way but i do think it's a little harsher for i agree because you know what sometimes as Harrison says earlier, like you can't hack a classic. Like sometimes classics are good, and and not doing the overly complicated thing is is helpful. So, because I think it's kind of genius to like just waltz into a different office, literally cut a hole in the wall, move the I wall, and take. Gray, the I remember there was a Grey's Anatomy episode, and uh, there's the chief of surgery, so he's the older guy. And then mm. trying these new machines and techniques and stuff like that. And then one of the interns was just like kicking his butt. She was getting cocky. Mm -hmm. Then like they had to do a thing where they had to do sutures. And like that's when you go back to basics. And to him is muscle memory. And he was doing it with his eyes closed. And 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 he was like, basics. Yeah. <laughs> I mean they're for a reason, right? Exactly. exactly. So yeah. So as Hardison's explaining why it would be so difficult to go in their usual way, uh, how difficult it would be to to hack the security system and how there are sensors on the floor, and you know, uh, we see another team doing exactly the things that he's saying are so hard. 
And so when Elliot pulls pulls the wall, he's so strong. He's like, oh, I just pulls this wall. Instead of the Klimt, it's dogs playing poker. Um, so they're like, oh. Actual, like, where is the actual physical dogs playing poker? I don't know, but I think it's uh, not copyrighted. So that's why they were able to use it. <laughs> and I think there are a bunch of different versions too, because that one looks not like the one that I always think of. I don't know. So, as they, so, so disgusted. Dogs <laughs> playing poker? Seriously? I know she's she's a little offended. And and as they like kind of make their exit, someone, uh, this guy that we see earlier, recognizes Sophie as he's getting on an elevator. Played just, by the great Griffin Dunn. Yes, those character actors who like he was in everything. So you're kind of like. Oh, that guy. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, because I felt like I didn't know him a lot, except to say, oh, yeah, that guy. He's, and he was in an episode of White Collar, too. So, yeah, everywhere. Yeah. He's Dominic Dunn's oldest kid. Uh, Let's see. What what all has he been in? Dallas Buyers Club, The Good Wife, White Collar, like you said. He's been in the game a long time, I think. Alias. Oh, I love Alias. He was in a Nero Wolf mystery, which um, is Timothy Hutton earlier. Frasier. He played a, a character named Bob. He's not a Bob. <laughs> the movie He's My Girl. Of a rich, like smarmy rich dude. He's, I think he just has that vibe. He was in something called Amazon Women on the Moon. Okay. <laughs> All righty. He was in in 1975. He was in the other side of the mountain. He was in an American Werewolf in London. So he's been in a lot of things. He was oh what? What? Okay. He was in Ocean's Eight. He was a parole board officer who you don't actually see them. You just hear their voices. Oh. That's hilarious. But another heist thing. That's great. Yes. So. We meet him more in a minute. So the team reconvenes. Interesting way to introduce the two competing crews. Yeah. It approaches the things. That's hard to say to say this is the easiest, most quickest, efficient way in and out. And for some reason, they decided to do it the quote unquote hard way. Well, because they're like, oh, this isn't too, you know, it makes you think that there's to them, it's not that hard. Or, but I think what it really is, is that hardison thinks smart not like smarter not harder right he's like we're gonna go in the easiest way smarter not harder yeah what did i say harder not smarter smarter not harder yeah yeah and so we're seeing someone yeah everyone had to work harder for that one but it didn't look like they were like stressed out about it they they had it well in hand and actually they were a step ahead of them or it could be because like we like sophie like kind of like Info dumped earlier, Stark likes to once again a new team kind of work the kink stuff. So maybe he's just putting them through their paces to see how good they are, what their limits are. Yeah, but we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, like Nate is pissed that somebody got the better of them. Yeah, so they're they're all they've all met up back at the bar uh, to kind of decompress and talk about what happened and what went down. But Sophie's not there. And uh, Elliot's trying to get a hold of her. Meanwhile, Parker is is theorizing maybe it's Nazis. 
Secret Nazis. Secret Nazis who want their stolen painting back. Uh, you know, as we know from the uh, Three Nights of the Hunter, Two Nights of the Hunter, Three Nights of the Hunter. Uh, She's getting into Parker, this. Parker loves her conspiracy theories, or she doesn't have, because she doesn't have such a great gra- grasp of reality. She's mm-hmm. very apt to believe conspiracy theories. So yeah, so Elliot tries to call Sophie, but he just gets voicemail. So then he tries to get her on the comms. Uh, I don't know why Elliot is the one who's calling, but he is. And uh, we this is how we find out that Sophie is standing in the middle of her kitchen holding a vase of flowers in which is a bomb. A motion at the bomb. Mm-hmm. So if the water is displaced at all, the bomb will go off. Mm-hmm. And it makes for this very tense moment. We've, we get... Yeah, like just gently lay it down or something. Yeah, I'm like, why can't you just slide it onto a counter? But okay, sure. Or I was like, have, is there a chair where you can stack books or something to the height so you can just kind of like... Like, mm-hmm. have- yeah, I guess not. I guess it's that sensitive. But then at the end of that, we couldn't get the pudding hat. <laughs> exactly. And we're also getting, so when they're at the table before they leave, we get that quintessential uh, Dean Devlin, the circle cam that he's made really popular for their groups. Um, and then we also circle. So that's like interior inside of the table. And then when we get to Sophie, they're all kind of standing around her and it kind of circles around the outside of them. And, and yeah, we do get the pudding hack, which Amy Berg came up with uh, and then didn't John. actually use. And then John Rogers was like, you got to use the pudding hack. <laughs> he was so excited about the pudding hack. Yeah. He's like, if you come up with the pudding hack, you darn well use the pudding hack. And you can't just mention it and then not. It's like Chekhov's gun. <laughs> it's got to go off. So, yeah, they um, they put in some uh, pudding and it hardens the water or, you know, solidifies the water a little so it tricks the the bomb into thinking it's more stable than it is uh and you know sophie's gonna have to drop the bomb and try to run as fast as she can to get out of the building or out of the room and uh i thought it was just such a nice moment when he says okay all of you get out of here mm-hmm. he wants them all out of harm's way first and oh yeah it was like if you don't go I'm going to kill you myself. And I was mm-hmm. like, Mama Sophie. <laughs> like yes. She's looking out for her family. She cares about her family. She really is. She really does. And it's beautiful. And I love it. Um, and but, Nate doesn't want to leave her either. He he wants to stay there. Which I'm like, that's just dumb, Nate. <laughs> and I know, like, in this situation, you're not thinking smart. You know, you're thinking, he's thinking with his heart, you know, but... If well, they both tried to run at the same time, they wouldn't get out the door. So. Well, whatever's left of his heart. Hmm? Well, yeah. whatever's left of his heart. <laughs> oh, that's true. It's true. It's true. His little shriveled up broken heart. His little <laughs> raisin heart. But she makes him leave, and then she drops the bomb and makes a run for it. Uh, and then there's an explosion. Her whole apartment explodes, which is sad because it's cute, and it's the first time we saw it. And the last time. They have so much fun blowing shit up. (laughs) They really do. And then it cuts right away to a funeral. And we see Sophie lying in a coffin. So I think for a minute, we're like, oh my gosh, she actually didn't make it. (laughs) Yes. For a minute, you're like, oh my God, they killed her off. Um, And this is so nitpicky of me. But the way that she's lying in the coffin is like crooked. 
She's not perfectly centered on the pillow and it kills me every time. Like, why is she sideways? Um, so it's just like, in my notes, I put, with Sophie lying in a coffin, frankly, a little cattywampus. <laughs> That's a southern cattywampus. Cattywampus, yeah. Elliot is is giving a little eulogy and he's, he's wearing, he's still wearing a hat. Uh, with a bandana under it and that is to hide the scar from the stitches that he had to get from the previous episode the top hat job when he hit his head on a, a box during a fight scene in an elevator so eyes on the block like john gets so frustrated that christian insists on something hurting himself well i mean he was at work that time it wasn't like he was playing football in uh cowboy boots but but later they do get to work it into the storyline and then it's explained away. Um, and he, his eulogy for her is really nice. You know, he says she was like a sister and a best friend and, and, you know, she's always trying to take care of people. And then he like slips up and, and starts to call her Sophie. I'm going to miss you so, so much <laughs> because she's being buried under her pen name or her, her so one of her names. Elliot may be the most ref- ref- like reluctant, like to admit that he's found a new family, and he's like, all right, right there with Nate, like the most unwilling to do the touchy feely crap. Mm-hmm. And how hard and how personally he took it that Sophie tried to, yeah, to dump dupe them during the two David jobs. Yeah, I think he is. He is the most reluctant to admit that they have this newfound family, but I think he's the first one to recognize that they have it because like we've said previously, Elliot is uh, the most emotionally mature (laughs) of everybody, which is saying something because he's the hitter, you know, like up there too. He's just young and a little immature, but yeah, Yeah, I think it's, I think it's Hardison's age that makes him less. Um, And his, his, he's more brash like i don't want to say he's less cocky or he's more cocky than elliot because elliot is super cocky but um yeah i think it's his youth elliot's seen a lot more of the world and of people uh so mm-hmm. but um, and then parker gets to come up and three are just total hot messes oh yeah oh my god <laughs> parker doesn't even know it Uh, he gets up and uh, gives a little speech and gets distracted because sophie's right there and she's like it's so weird she's just alive and we've been friends forever two years (laughs) and it's just really good and hardison has to go up and save her um and he says like she can't deal with the cognitive dissonance in her head like this is not compute and she can't deal with it this is not does not make sense. Yeah, and and it continues in the next scene too. But then Hardison says, uh, and I love it. He says, "Sometimes friends are the only family you have," which is you know really harping back to their their little found family that they've got now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they're having this funeral to to see if any suspects have shown up. Uh, and Nate Nate is certain that they're somebody's going to show up because if you kill someone the likes of sophie Devereaux, you turn up to make sure she's dead uh and then here's sophie turning up for her own burial uh well, and we she's wearing this <coughs> her flair for drama yes oh yeah <laughs> but don't worry no one's going to recognize her she's acting 
with the bright red lipstick and the black veil. Oh my God. She looks so good. I love that outfit so much. And I actually rewound it because I was like, okay, can you see her baby mount? Like she has this coat, a long coat. She's wearing a dress. Um, she's got uh like um like wide weave uh fishnet stockings she's got a hat with a veil yes. oh my God. i noted the fishnets I'm like, yes the fishnets so i think the fishnets are important because they distract because you your eyes go from the red lips straight down to the fishnet oh and you and you don't linger on the stomach area um oh and and she has a muff so she has a little muffler for her hands um to to further mask that area but i love that hat and i love that veil and that lipstick is like the perfect color and the the veil is just the right thickness so you can't see her eyes and it's it makes her appear appear, it makes her appear more pale than she actually is yeah it's all so good her hair is so good in the next scene like Mm -hmm. her every everything that sophie wears in this whole episode is just exquisite and i love it so much um so then um you know nate like shoes are off and somebody else to show up and we see uh well we learn his name is stark in a little bit um griffin dunn and he makes some cryptic remarks about sophie and and you know like what happens if you put your nose in the wrong place or something and sophie recognizes him that you killed that's right um and then we go back to we go back to the apartment and hardison is trying to use facial recognition to figure out who brought the flowers in with the bomb but sophie stops him and says she knows who it was it was marcus stark Um, like we have no leads we have nothing to go off of so it's just yeah a Um, needle in a stack situation essentially exactly uh and marcus she so she says no you know there's no need i know who exactly who did it it's marcus stark he's a really gifted grifter and forger um but from the beginning they have a na- hard time like nailing down his motive like why you know what i mean oh for killing her yeah and you know and we just think well he saw her um when when they were pulling the first job and so he needed he wanted to he get her out of the way like I'm working on this competition he wants to take me out like mm. off the board yeah which is weird because um when she's talking about how they worked together for a while and you know oh you remember that time you were chasing us around or chasing me around you were actually chasing yeah, us like the utmost respect for Sophie you know yeah yeah she doesn't say anything about them having a falling out or you know anything like that so it does you're right it makes like and I didn't the first time I watched the episode, I didn't question his motive. I was like, oh, he wants to, he's just wants to get the money. He, it's all about the prize and whoever he has to take out, he'll take out. But he does say later to Nate, like, oh, I heard you have like the meanest crew. The side of the Atlantic. The side of the Atlantic. Like what's going on on the other side of the Atlantic? But um <laughs> So who exactly is the number one crew on the other side of the Atlantic? Yeah, like, please, I would be a, let's get another two live crew job episode but um but that kind of implies like even i wouldn't do the things that you've done which they haven't murdered anybody (laughs) so i mean i think like john has said like he they were hoping to do um to do the bring the second crew back but it just 
never happened that because they ran out of time or they just couldn't never came, were able to come up with the right story to bring them back um well they brought back some of them just one yeah that's true <laughs> um i don't know so uh we do get uh parker here being weirded out that sophie's sitting next to her and she's like touching her she's like you know i'm not really dead right and like i'm right here um and then um hardison slightly jealous like you saw other teams before us and parker says no just another nate and nate is just stewing in just yeah seething and just yeah and elliot just like leans back with his arms out and he's just rubbing nate's nose in it loving every minute of it uh so uh so something a brother would do oh my gosh yes to be to be a little jerk yeah he's like uh so so what's worse like knowing that sophie was with him before you or that he you know he was smarter than you he outsmarted you um so sophie's explaining his mo she says he never nate doesn't even dignify that with oh no no he's like uh moving on (laughs) (laughs) which is such a brother thing like oh i'm no i'm not even getting into this with you um so sophie is explaining stark's mo she says he specializes in i think she says whiz mobs um, and they swing in at, into a city and they do a big job and then they scatter. But first they do a small job. So that was what they did to get the Klimt. And now they've got to figure out what the big job is that they're getting ready for. So again, like we talked about, maybe he was, again, for the Klimt job, he was just kind of putting them through their paces, which is why he didn't go the easy route like Hardison did. That's maybe. true. Yeah. Yeah. They would need to um, kind of mimic what they're going to do in in the in the bigger job that's right um so she knows the jobs that he's like that she knows how he works and she knows his favorite con which is the mona lisa variance or family is a real thing yes um it is it's not always called it's not always called the mona lisa variant though it's like called the mona lisa scam or something like that um and yeah, it is, it's based on a true con, the Mona Lisa con. There we go. So basically what you do is you steal one painting and you have five copies made of the painting and then you sell all of them on the black market or you sell the five and you keep the real one if you want. Um, and then you make five times as much money as you would have normally because everybody thinks that they have the original painting. Um, and it was first executed in 1911 According to legend, Eduardo de Valferno, Valfierno hired three men, including Vincenzo Perugia, a worker at the Louvre, to steal the Mona Lisa. Before he did so, he had five replicas made, then sold the replicas to wealthy art lovers all over the world, with each buyer thinking that they had the original. Um, but then it says, over time, questions have arisen as to whether Valfierno was ever involved in the theft or simply claimed he was in order to run the Mona Lisa con. So he might not have actually had the painting stolen, just said he did. Although Perugia stole the painting, Valfierno never collected it from his partner. Many art, th- art theft experts now believe Perugia actually stole the painting in the misguided belief it should be repatriated to Italy and that there's no connection between Valfierno and Perugia. So how do we know what's hanging in the Louvre is the actual painting? I have no idea. I just saw it recently, but it was buying glass. I didn't go too close to it because there were a ton of people. I was it's like, hey, there she is. 
it's not impressive in person, is it? No, it's it's beautiful, but there are a lot of beautiful things in the Louvre. There are a lot of beautiful things in every art museum. Yeah, I mean, okay. again, I'm a Philistine. It's just a, a smaller than I thought it would be. It's a bit dingier than I thought it would be. No, <laughs> yeah, I I knew all of those things going in. I knew that it was going to be smaller, and um, yeah, and I've seen other uh, paintings from that era and uh, Da Vinci's from that era, and and they don't want to clean them up as much because they don't want to damage anything. So yeah, they do are they are dingy and dark, and and some of them are kind of smoke damaged. But I remember when I was in London, um, I did one of those London walks tours. Mm-hmm. Have you done the, Have you ever been to London? Yes. Have you done the London walks? Um, we did a Jack the Ripper tour. The walks are fantastic, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They're really fun. We got to see where all everyone was murdered. And then I went one for the National Gallery. And the, our guide, Helena, was talking about how the Brits decided uh, to clean and restore. So, which is why <laughs> the paintings at the British Museum, I mean, the, the National Gallery, are just bright and gorgeous. Mm, and they are really beautiful. Uh, whereas, like, the French decided to keep the integrity of the painting and not mess with the Mona Lisa or Leonardo da Vinci and kind of, this is what it is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which philosophies exactly yeah and it's interesting kind of the pros and cons of each thing okay so bonus experience okay so um stark likes to use auctions instead of stealing from museums so they they're able to kind of narrow down where he might what he might be stealing um and then he turns around and he'll sell the paintings to people at the auction You already know who your target interested buyers are. Yes. Um, and he also makes his own forgeries. So Sophie knows what kind of paintings and schools that he is that's fond of. So that, that's the bit I came up with. Yeah. Using the auction of finding out who are. Who the, yeah. <laughs> She's so good. Um, and like Nate just like looks at her like, just what? Um, I love that this guy does his own, paints his own forgeries. I think that's cool. And I wish they'd kind of shown him painting. That would have been neat. It's it's totally awful to forge paintings, but it's it's like a superpower, I think. So uh, they can't call the police because that'll spook them and they'll run and they won't be able to get the painting back for the Mercers, which is what Sophie points out is what they need well, to do. Um, no, we need to beat these guys. Yeah, and Nate's like, they tried to kill you, Sophie. And she says, we risk our lives all the time, you know? And every time we do a job, we risk our lives, uh, which is, you know, just this arc of her becoming an honest criminal. You know, she was in the past willing to risk her life because she wanted, you know, the the reward was really big for her. But now the reward is not money. It's it's doing the right thing for other people. She's just <clears throat> doing some uncomfortable self-inventory and self-reflection. Yeah. And yeah. she's not liking what she sees. <laughs> I know so they're going to need something that they can trade so they can get this painting back and they've figured out that the painting that he's going to be stealing is uh van gogh's uh uh yeah yeah cafe animal terrace so they've got to get that first so they can barter um so the team goes to scope out the auction house that's going to be selling the painting and it's so funny because elliot and parker are both lamenting the fact that sophie's not there and but she's not dead she's just chilling in the van partisan 
<laughs> and she's like complaining. Insulting. Insulting hearts. Yeah, she's not respecting the van. Um, yeah, she called it Riffy. Um, it smells like hard work. Like, Which yeah, does no one respect the van? I know, no, no, because she doesn't have a name yet. So, uh, and, then, and again, I think it just goes back to they just don't realize the amount of work Carson does and all the backstopping he has to do. Yeah, they and don't. he says that she's like, "Oh, so this is what you do? You just sit here and record us and monitor the frequencies." And she names like five things, but she's totally unimpressed. And he's like, "Yes, I do all this and so much more, and you guys don't even care. You don't even know." I mean, and like it, every identity they have needs to be backstop. Like it's like he needs to create solid like tech trails for them, like mm-hmm. email, like websites email employment history so like tax records or whatever whatever yeah, so they can get jury duty <laughs> um yeah and then we also this also kind of harkens back to the uh uh the mma job whatever that episode was called um back in kansas when she's complaining about the chicken fried steak and everything's beige um, which a lot of people were up in arms about because they're like, oh, why are you making fun of like Midwest cuisine? And, you know, John Rogers is like, we're not. Sophie is a princess. Like Sophie is super picky and she's a snob. Like this is just Sophie being Sophie. And this and her in the van just like, oh, it's lemons us tea because it's whiffy in here is just kind of underscoring that. Walking out and gorging a bag and binging a bag of pork rinds. Huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A princess. Mm-hmm. That's true. I've never um, had fries before. Just put it um, in. They're okay. <laughs> I haven't had them very often because I like sweet things more than I like savory things. Um, so I, I'm but more, I'm more a savory person. I guess that's where my taste buds lie. Mm. <laughs> but literally, I, I want to eat everything. But <gasps> but pork rinds are like road trip food, and road trip food. If I'm going to get something at the convenience store. It's going to be something sweet. Um, specifically these uh, Mexican pastries called conchas. Uh, very good. So uh, they make a big mess in the car, but they're to me, they're, that's road trip food. Anyways, uh, Hardison also says this really sweet thing to her right after she disrespects the van. Um, he says, we trust Nate to make sure the plan works and we trust you to make sure we're okay, which is really beautiful. And then right after that, we hear somebody breaking into Hardison's comms. Uh, into the frequency again, like a, the family dynamics like they're trusting mm-hmm. mommy yeah like she such a mom so then we hear uh somebody else breaking into the calm frequencies and we have not mentioned this person yet but it's will wheaton Geekerati royalty will wheaton. right it's will wheaton um and he is uh playing our rival hacker and you know he's evil because he's drinking red soda not <laughs> see i didn't even pick up on that oh yeah yeah i was like that's red oh my gosh what is what is that is it like big red what's happening right now oh my god so um so then now we're getting to see everybody go up against their their double um so we then we get elliot and his Hardison counterpart has, he has history with harrison like there's some bad blood between those two. see i don't even think I mean, maybe, but I just think they're both, I mean, especially Will Wheaton's character is just an asshole and they're just competitive. I wonder if they have 
but I don't know. Um, because they're both like, oh, I heard you were in jail. Oh, I heard you sucked. Uh, guess I was right. <laughs> Such a jerk. Um, but we also see Elliot at this point and he meets his counterpart who is, um, she's part of the Israeli military. Uh, and no, 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 me. I think she's actually, I think she's actually Israeli. No, yes. Yeah. It memory serves like Israeli women also have to do their mandatory two or three years in the Israeli army too. Yes. So girlfriend's a badass in real life. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just like uh what's her name? Wonder Woman. Oh, Gal Gadot. Yeah, yeah, Gal Gadot. Um, so yeah, so she's uh Mikhail Diane. And she is badass. And it's really fun because they, when they see each other, they kind of square up into their fight stances. And, and uh, you see. Wearing heels, I think. She's she wearing, wearing they're, they're kind of low, chunky heels, but she's definitely wearing like some heels in a dress, like a low cut dress. And, but it's fun when they like square up to each other, they assess each other's stances, and then they go through the scenarios in their heads and they see what would happen. And they, they know who they're up against and it has this very um uh, like 1970s kung fu vibes like to the way they filmed that distribution venue because literally it's very steamy in this episode it is later on and i i would definitely be talking about my feelings about that but (laughs) but here they're just like imagining all the ways that they'd fight each other and how it would go wrong (laughs) or and like who would come out on top in those situations but they automatically like see each other as equals. Like you're on my level. Yeah. No, they do. Like the the minute she like puts her hands in position, he runs through what would happen, and he's like, "Oh gosh, okay." And so he takes like a you know a counter motion to her, and then she sees that he could take her on just as well, and they're like, "Oh." And then their scenarios keep like escalating where they're like going to fight with swords and they're going to do this. And they're gonna do Boston mob goons that you can just off with a few punches. Like, exactly. This yeah. This lady's on your level. And then we have uh, Parker and Apollo, like Apollo Robbins, the, the gentleman thief who is the, uh, they're like consultant on all things pickpocketing and, and criminal. Um I- some of apollo's stuff like yeah. oh my god he's a scary human being i know his ted talk's really cool um but yeah so they all of the, that pickpocketing they did in real time like that's just them and she's so good now too that you're like he taught Beth. I'm yeah sure oh yeah no he taught all of them how to do a lift and and he he'd say beth could do this for a living like she could straight up be a criminal like, I think, like, well, like he had, her hands are that good, apparently. Yeah, yeah so I, I love that. I mean, yeah. I've, I've seen, uh, like, John has talked about Apollo in his, like, blog a lot, and I've seen some of the stuff on um, YouTube, and some of the stuff he pulls is like, like, dude, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> but it, I kind of find it interesting that, like, when he does that, like, there is so much work that goes behind it like he's not just like everything he does has a purpose he studied it like he Mm -hmm. studied like the brain science behind it how to how to manipulate attention and focus and it's kind of like 
it's serious. It's like, it's deep. It's deep. In his TED talk, he literally like changes his shirt at some point. Like his, the the color of the shirt he's wearing changes color while he's doing the talk. And you don't even notice it happening. Uh, He can- terrifying it's like mind control he's yes mind control it is terrifying um so while they're they're going up against each other and trying about like how his family so like khan families have like a history and culture and tradition just like everybody else the Mm -hmm. stuff they pass on might not be kosher but it is indeed culture and history and traditions being passed down oh yeah no it's not Learning like, how to make grandma's biscuits. But, it's uh, like, it's, it's not the equivalent of learning that, da- like learning grandma's biscuit recipes. Like this is how you pickpock. This is yeah. This is the this is the dummy with the nine bells, and you have to you have to pick the pocket without any of the bells ringing. Oh my god, they did that on an episode of White Collar. Like they yeah, just- no, that's like that's traditional. Okay. That's how that's how you learn to pickpocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember what historical fiction book I read that in, but, but I think like, it was several. Those stories and their uh, and like their tool like mock picks are probably mm-hmm. just down or something like it's fascinating. But yes, Apollo is a scary human being that we can all be grateful that he's using his powers for good. Yes, that he's a gentleman thief. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, while Parker and Apollo are facing off and um, you know pickpocketing the head of security. Uh, Stark and Nate meet up and they banter. Yeah, literally having a standoff, but like, aren't they attracting too much attention? They're literally staring each other now, like, yeah, no, they're like, so Parker, well, Parker and Apollo, she does this thing where she like kind of like tosses her uh, apron and it's very bullfight y. Um, where they're like egging each other on. Then we have Elliot and uh, Mikhail, and they're doing like kung fu in their heads. Like that's like the format of, of what they're seeing in their heads. The very first run that uh, Parker does, she steals the guy's badge. Well, she doesn't put it away in her pocket. She puts it on top of her tray, which makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Because I mean, obviously, the only reason is for Apollo to come and flip it over and steal it right from under her. But mm-hmm. but you don't just have some random person's badge on your tray. That makes no sense whatsoever. Unless it does, because they did that on purpose. <laughs> why, why? What purpose would it serve for for her to let Apollo steal it back from her? I guess I don't. Uh, okay. Are because, we because no, we're not hand waving. It is explained because I don't want to spoil the episode yet. <laughs> okay, we'll get to it. All right. All right. Okay, okay, we'll get to it. So, um, yeah. So we have this like they're kind of bullfighting. Uh, Nate and Stark Actually, are um, runs at each other. They're taking multiple runs at each other. Yeah, but but it is very like they're pulling the the cape away and they're and they're egging each other on. Nate and Stark are just being dudes. Like, basically like that song from Annie, like get your gun. Anything you can do, I can do better. Yes. I can do yeah. better than you. <laughs> and then we've got like the kung fu thing, and then we've got um Elliot or Hardison and Chaos, and they've like literally got the music from high noon. It's like <laughs> and they like are having a it sounds inappropriate to say they're having like a hack off in the in the 
the parking lot. It was most impressive. They're just looking at each other. Their hands are going, but they're not even looking at the key. Yes, and Sophie's in the the van, like a uh, Hardison, <laughs> and she just closes the laptop. And something one of the machines zaps her. I think. I does it zap her? Or is she just like is making noises? Ah, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, which is kind of freaking out. Um, and then the head of security realizes that he's lost his badge and his ID. And then, you know, all the teams have both teams have to kind of skedaddle. Uh, and it's great. They're back at the in the apartment. And Parker points out that people in in their line of work are unstable. We can use that. What? Um, like the levels of self-awareness Parker has yet to not, not there. And and Hardison's like laughing because he thinks uh, Elliot's gonna get beat by a girl, and he's like, "She once killed a guy with a mop. Like she can mop the floor with you, like literally." Like, um, is this me? What was Christian King playing playing as the that idea? Just like really turned Elliot on. That Diane was that badass that she could kill someone with a broom. Oh yeah, no, he totally he's totally impressed by that. Like yeah, because <laughs> not only do all of us watching this show like really get off on this competency kink of these people doing their jobs really well. The people on the show also, they love when people do their job well. Like even if they're maybe doing it better than them, they, they're they grudgingly, they respect that and are maybe uh, get off on that, you know. Well, like Sophie's just concerned because like Nate is literally unraveling right before their eyes. Yeah. Well, in, in Hardison, I, I have to point this out. He's He's jealous um of chaos and he says that they call him the kobayashi maru and, and nobody gets that no yeah nobody else gets that um except for <laughs> parker because she's like it's star trek um and they were saying in the commentary that yeah parker sat down and watched all nine star trek movies with hardison because that's what hardison wants to do and parker's like okay sure <laughs> i got um, nothing better to do today right like i'll just you know pick some locks do some practice while we watch this movie um but it's great because it's the kobayashi maru which is the unsolvable equation in star trek which will wheaton was in um so good so it's like geek royalty i feel like this they have such so many star trek crossovers because they've got jonathan frakes um directing a lot of episodes they had um what's his name who played data was in the jury job or the jury yeah um yes and uh yeah there's just lots oh and they had um in that episode also was uh arnie arnie army hammer no 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 <laughs> that's army hammer um arnie maybe it's not arnie uh, played <laughs> principal snyder on buffy Armin Shimmerman. Armin Shimmerman. Yes, he was also in uh, Star Trek. Anyways, but yeah, there's so many Star Trek crossovers. So, um, yeah, so I love like in this scene how they're hiding Sophie's belly is that she's sitting behind the couch. Like she's not sitting on her normal love seat where she usually sits. She's hiding behind the couch. And Elliot asks her how he thinks this is all going to play out. And um, her answer is like, could be about stark or nate <laughs> and she's like no no i mean nate and nate's like talking to himself and like muttering under his breath and like, like going through all these papers like, and trying to figure like, things out or like this time it, now it's personal they made it personal yeah. 
Oh, yeah. So then I like the scene. It cuts back and forth between both of the crews and they um, it like picks up the lines from Stark. And, and it's like literal. You know, I think I remember the commentary saying like Dean was like they're literal like mirror mirror images. Yeah. Like they're looking left and the other ones are looking right. Exactly. Yeah. The I thing mean, that I think is weird is that the other crew is drinking champagne. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I mean, um, and the fact that, you know, um, I mean, they even put on their jackets the same way. And yeah. They- which was a very, very, felt very West Wing. It was very how Martin Sheen puts on a jacket. Um, oh, I love West Wing. So West Wing is the best. You know, my girls are named after. Exactly. Charlie and Leo. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I love that, you know, Apollo says something about, it. he's like, well, that's Nate Ford. And, uh, and then, like um, like, I don't feel like he has a lot of lines in this episode. He doesn't. I think that's like that one. And then later during the heist, he has a couple that are really cute, but, um, they could have given him more, but whatever. I, uh, and, uh, chaos will Wheaton's character is like, and something did you did you kill sophie Devereaux? kind of like drops that in there and, and stark is like don't worry about it just just don't worry about it um it's just it's just weird that he's wearing drinking champagne and then i also have stu- uh nate's suit is really nice here like it's a really well done it's a really well, nice suit it's kind of got this like gold lining on the the suit jacket it was nice um and then so now it's time like they don't have you notice that they, like both like Cardis is kind of like okay he's like gearing up like Rocky he's gearing up oh yeah Carson's always ready yeah. oh yeah um <laughs> let's do this <laughs> go team uh, <laughs> so then we uh and I like this next part because it's really it kind of harkens back to the Nigerian job because we get to see the the security guards and they're about to go on their rounds and the two security guards who stay back at the main desk are distracted by a basketball game. Uh, just like in the very first episode. Um, and the crew's on it. So Nate is on distraction duty and he's playing a drunk dude who's trying to get Emily to come out and talk to him. And he's great. It is. Those moments are so funny to me. Cause he's like, <laughs> and the guy, like the security guards, like, dude, Emily doesn't live here. And he's like, she moved and then then this security guard and whoever the other guy with him is is they're just he's like giving him like a counseling session he's like like, no speaking up against toxic masculinity yes he's like if we don't talk about our feelings we lose the people we love and you're just like oh my god you i mean like absolute unit you there's nothing wrong with masculine traits there's nothing wrong with it. It's just when it's taken to an extreme that it becomes unhealthy. That is all we're saying. We're not saying being a man is just inherently means you're a bad, terrible person. Just just being masculine doesn't mean it's to- inherently toxic. It's when it's taken to an extreme. That's all we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, I mean, like, given, like, the Me Too thing, I was like, that was incredibly insightful for 10 years ago to talk about that toxic masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Amy Berg. Good job, Amy Berg. <laughs> toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity. And this is a show that every episode, I believe, passes the Bechdel test, too. So. Um, but then we have 
what do we have? Um, Matt's just so good. So Elliot and Parker run by while they're uh, distracted and Hardison is figuring out the sensors and the lasers and they get into the building and go down to the basement and Elliot lets her into the AC system and then locks the door behind her. <laughs> and that was the actual AC system for this building as well. They didn't build a set or anything. And they were, I loved in the commentary when they're just gushing about this camera work as they go down into the um into the basement because it's all steady cam as this guy falls them down the stairs and pivots and and it it's great because i'm like oh that is really beautiful good job <laughs> they have a really good steady cam guy um yeah so meanwhile um the security guard is trying to counsel nate uh, a motion sensor is triggered while parker is in the ducks and hardison's like stop 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 um and it was a bird and parker's like how how did a bird get in here and it turns out it was apollo who's also in the ducts um, and then they chill for a while and they're just like, he's got an empty case and they're talking about what kind of bird he let out. It's shop talk. Yes. Oh, you use this? Cool. I want to use this bird. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Similar wingspan, but like brighter colors. And you're just like, what? And they're just hanging out in a, in a duck, like as one does. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like a water cooler. Just water cooler and like, duck. And like Apollo's in like the beanie and the thief, black thief get up. And yeah. I mean, like, and he actually, like, in the, when they're doing the Klimt thing, like, he's, like, dangling from the roof, like, Mission Impossible style. Mm-hmm. He actually made that look cool. Yeah. And he's just, like, <laughs> whatever on the, on the painting. Yeah. Um, so then uh, then we get Elliot and Mikael meet up in the basement, and they have a sexy fight. <laughs> and now um, they really get it on this time. They really do, <laughs> like, dial it up to 11. And I like, as a very well endowed person, when she like walks in and she's wearing this button down shirt that's already like straining at her boobs, I'm like, I mean, the girls are struggling to get out. The girls are ready to pop. I'm like, what? No, like this is going to hamper you while you're fighting because you're going to be trying not to like bust these buttons. And I get that for this scene, there's. Like the fighting is foreplay and all this stuff, but I'm just like, this is no. Okay, like, as someone who was who was not as blessed, <laughs> like, do the girls actually present logistical problems in everyday life? Yes. Yes. <laughs> do you know how hard it is to do yoga? My God. Um, but no, and just like I don't even wear button-down shirts that much because I'm always like pulling down because it's gaping and uh it's and like i can't imagine fighting and like needing full range of motion with your arms um but and having like, that be comfortable i wouldn't cc clinton just say buy a bigger size shirt that will actually adequately cover the girls and then like tailor it down if need be or is yeah, that but the- then it would still like pop open if you're moving around i'm just saying like like it you can wear a button-down shirt Yes, that's a possible thing. I do have button-down shirts that I wear. But if I'm going to be moving around and really active, especially if I'm going to be punching people and trying to protect myself, you want something that's going to move a little more with your body (laughs) and not be ripped off in the heat of the moment. Um, Which which is the reason they put her in that shirt so that it could easily be ripped off. Uh, I get that. I get that. The girls were nicely on display. They were. Also, I don't think that's the bra I would wear. I would probably be wearing a sports bra of some sort. 
but that's just me. I, so that part, I just like rolled my eyes when she like, the first time I saw this episode and she walked out in that shirt and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Unless when the buttons straight to pop off, she just used this as a weapon. And she does, but um yeah like, and i mean like uh, the, the buns as a projectile weapon could potentially hurt like a bb gun type situation. but i think that hers were like the snap buttons i think she was wearing like a pearl snap shirt um, <laughs> okay uh. yeah and i mean and it is mirrored because then elliot does take sh- his shirt off uh though his tank top is not as revealing as her black lacy bra um <laughs> and then the the scene is very high there's lots of steam there's lots of water the bra um, is very pretty. That was that a- is a that was a that is a gorgeous bra. Um, yeah. I, I will definitely give her that. <laughs> but and then the end of the scene is is very nice, and I appreciate that. But I was just like, oh my god, are you kidding me? Like, but there's that moment when they actually get up close, close and close combat, and then they actually like bump up against each other, and they're like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. Like- well, he he like gets her arms, and then they're yeah, they're like their chests are just shoved up against each other, and they're like, and, and then they they straight up do kiss, and he he cuffs. Like her. the bits are lining up, and things are happening. Yes, yes. Um, the planets are aligning, and then they're um, like, like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they said it was difficult to film that sequence because the space they were in was so small and they actually like the above shots they attached the camera to a pole and just hoped that they got some good footage <laughs> they just rolled the whole time they're fighting which i think is is cool um so then back in in the vans hardison and chaos are having this digital fight over the cameras and the motion sensors and the lasers uh, and and chaos eventually gets control of everything and he shuts down the van um so okay so i never quite understood that so basically it's it if i'm correct it kind of turns out Carson let chaos shut him down and then use the manual generator to power back up well yes spoilers spoilers but yes okay (laughs) yeah for the longest time i could like what exactly is happening like what what yeah chaos chaos got in and like cut all the power to Hardison's van and then took over the cameras the motion sensors and turns the lasers on just as Parker is trying to run across to stop Apollo who is uh, mission impossibleing from the ceiling to get the, to get the painting um yes. I, I am verbing that word yes uh and I like spoil alert, but we kind of do figure out where Parker gets those laser skills from in a future episode. We do, yeah. But and we've seen her, uh, you yeah. know, use her laser skills before as well in the, the two David job. But we find out the origin of that later yes. on. Yes, so not yeah, not this season though, right? No, season three. Season three. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> as Nate is still distracting the guards, Stark shows up, uh, and he's using Nate's old identity. That is such a salt in the wound, like in your face. Yeah, it's good. Cause he's like, oh yeah, I just told them I was Nate Ford. I'm from the insurance company. They gave me blueprints. They gave me code. He's our people, Steve, because we are that level of petty too. Well, I I, I need that level of petty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Need that level of petty. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Gotta respect that. (laughs) I do, and just like Nate's face and he's like "Ah, really really you did that okay master 
<laughs> I know, right? Oh my god, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Um, yeah, so chaos is from lasers on Parker. Um, and they did such a good job with the special effects there because they put those lasers in later. Um, and they they have it like you can see the reflections of the lasers in Parker's eyes when she like gets up close to them. It's really cool. Um, and oh yes, and I meant to mention this during during the fight with Mikhail. Elliot hits his head on um, a pipe, and, <laughs> and so now he can take his hat off because now he has a reason to have this injury on his forehead. And then uh, like. We don't kink shame on this on this podcast. We do not kink shame. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> that's when the that's when the handcuffs come out to play. The handcuffs do come out right after this, um, and this is when like everything is going wrong. Like everyone's fighting. There are lasers. Everyone's about to get caught. Like, it's a hot, literally hot STV situation. <laughs> and then, like normally, like Ellie would be pissed, but then he's looking at the handcuffs. He's looking at Raquel. He's like interesting well he cuffed them together so like yeah let's see where this goes and she's like okay yeah i like this i like this this is this is consensual um i'm down yeah yeah so um then we hear uh sirens and a cop car comes down the road and parks in front of the museum and I love this because Nate and Stark both are kind of like casually turn their backs and are like, just act normal. Um, because, you know, the jig is up. Uh, but it's... The popo has come. The popo. Yes, but the popo is actually <laughs> Sophie. Well, we um, get a tip off because later, at the beginning, Sophie's like, this is the first time I've ridden in the front seat of one of these before. Yes, and I really like that. Um, and I love, I love two things about the scene. She does not close the door of the car. She just like walks out and you can see the door open behind her. And then she comes and she immediately stands really close to Nate. Like they're like standing kind of up against each other and they're like this united front. Like she, come on. She has to have her diva like entrance moment. Oh know? yeah. Yeah. And that, that would be undermined by like turning and shutting a door, I guess. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. So an entrance yeah so she's like oh you know whoa nope not dead <laughs> um yeah and then we see parker turn on her crazy eyes and she cartwheels through the lasers um, and then <laughs> just drops apollo because he's hanging from the ceiling and she just like uh gets his carabiner and just <laughs> unhooks it and he falls on the ground um and then she like pulls off her coat or her jacket and flips it inside out and it becomes a cop uniform and respect the band yes um and she's got a gun on him he's like why do you have a gun what are you doing and it's and you can tell that he feels like betrayed because you know like there's like honor among thieves and here she is like riding him out what are you doing yeah and it's and it's it's literal shock like you what this is not how this works we don't do this to each other <laughs> and then um hardison turns the hand crank and he gets the power back um elliot cuffs mikhail and she's into it uh, <laughs> and then i love like i mean she's like, like you know they got busy oh yes but like there or do they wait till later who knows both um like we would not put it could not put it past elliot for a quick quickie for a quickie no no, no. So yeah, and I I love uh, security guards when uh, 
Parker comes through with Apollo and the painting. And this guy goes, this woman claims she's a cop. Like, just, well, I don't know where she came from, but here she is. And then Hardison comes in. He's like, oh, there you are. Okay, I guess. Okay, we don't know what's going on here, but okay. Yeah, where did, and the cop, the security guards don't know where to point their guns. And she's like, down here, what are you doing? I'm a cop. Um, and then Hardison comes in and says, hey, you know, we're waiting out here. Overselling it. I knew you were going to say that. I love it. He's like, you are the red and the red cross and the red, white, and blue. Come on now. <laughs> I can't be the only co-host who complains about Hardison I cannot be. No, but I will I will always defend you- him. He's my baby. And then outside, 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 uh, Sophie says, you know, we're saving you, Stark, because she figured out that it wasn't him who wanted her dead. Um, and they they went back once they had actually seen chaos in real life. They were able to uh, kind of match his his description to the cameras outside Sophie's apartment. And then chaos gets to have his Scooby Doo villain monologue. Like I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you meddling kids. But John calls the evil speech of evil. Well, no, because they were they said normally this would be the evil speech of evil, but the evil speech of evil is them convincing themselves that they're not actually evil. Um, and this is just literally him throwing yeah, a being a Scooby-Doo villain, like, you know, throwing a tantrum. Yeah. The minute I knew Sophie could have gotten involved, I was like, I can't double cross you. So I've got to kill her. Um, but he also says something very interesting. She's the one we were always scared of. It was never you. Yeah. And then Stark just kind of like scoffs. He's like, <laughs> so okay, sure. Interesting. Yeah. So, as John Rogers put it in crime world, you know you do not cross Sophie Deborah. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, and which is definitely is, part of why Nate's so hot for her. He is spiteful. Yeah. He holds a grudge. She does not forgive. Yeah. She's not evil. She is. She is. <laughs> Uh, um, so Sophie and Nate think there's a bomb in Stark's car and he's like what do you think I'm an idiot like of course there's not a bomb in my car but there is <laughs> and he's also so insulting yeah keyboard monkeys that's so insulting that's true That's no, true. He's, he's like that son of a bitch um, and then they like really pay him back by coercing him into giving the painting to the Mercers so they say okay we're going to give you the Van Gogh but we we want the Klimt and and then he has to like endure was, their gratitude. <laughs> but his like speak his apology was so fake. Oh yeah, but they don't care because they're so blinded by like this wonderful thing. Um, and not the way he reacts. Oh God, hugging you're hugging me. Yeah, yeah. It's but I mean it's just like the whole crew was at the beginning. You know, and they're like, uh, yeah, okay. Um, and then we have, we have, um, uh, Parker. Have, like, you know, the doppelgangers have like bonded, like Apollo yes. and Parker are like, the good, the good doppelganger. doing with devices. Yes. So com- cute. Like, the Elliot and Raquel are com- like comparing wounds and, and like, <laughs> Raquel could have possibly like shot him in Myanmar. <laughs> I was a sniper in Myanmar. <laughs> Which Again, that expression on Ellie's face, he's like half turned on and half scared and like insult and like insulting. Like, yeah. I um, like 
the one person who got the better of him was mm-hmm. so on. Yeah. And then she pulls out the handcuffs again and Hardison walks by. And mm-hmm. I, I think originally there he wasn't supposed to have a line. He was just supposed to like see it and smirk or something, but all this improvised. I mean, all this all this can't leave. No, if there's a if he can say something, he's gonna say something. It's like I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like, I feel like the Harrison and Ellie relationship is very much how Christian and and like Alec are. They're kind of like, you know. So yeah, so Stark is forced to endure the Mercer's gratitude, but he gets to walk away with a Van Gogh, but it is one of the ones that he Box painted. List. Yep. And he says, uh, he says the Sophie Devereaux that he knew died. And she's like, come on, you like face it. It was it was fun doing being a good guy. And he was like, being a good guy, you broke like multiple laws. You like put people in danger. You, you faked a death. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you actually stole a Van Gogh. Yeah. So he's like, you're not really the good guys. And they're like, eh, good enough, I guess. <laughs> and then we see where the other paintings went. They're in a crate that's been checked as baggage for chaos. And he gets caught, hoisted by his own petard. I, I mean, the perfect, like, icing on the cake was that little sticky note with the smiley face. <laughs> this is the real one. Yeah. And that's what he wanted in the beginning. He wanted to steal all the paintings. And so that's what they gave him. All of the paintings. Again, like Dean says, like, they must be taken down by their own sin. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then we close in this, like, this beautiful scene. So. So uh, Sophie's back at the graveyard and her gravestone has been changed from the the name Catherine to actually the name Sophie Devereaux. Um, and gorgeous red coat. Gorgeous that red coat is so great. I write Gina in that great, great red coat. And, and it's magic hour, uh, which it was magic hour. It wasn't supposed to be, but they had run late filming earlier in the morning. So it pushed everything back. Uh, and Dean Devlin was oh, like, mm, maybe I did that on purpose. But yeah. This, this, you know, it's called Magic Hour, uh, and it's when the, the light is perfect. Theme and the theme song is playing. Yes, yes, Nate and Sophie's song, um, which I've forgotten the name of again, but um, so good. Um, and, you know, she's realizing that her aliases are so real to her. She's like, I knew when their parents were, you know, their parents' birthdays, when their parents died, their birthdays and all these things, and they all need to be buried before she can come clean about her real name. She tells nate that he's her closest thing to a friend and she's never even heard him say her her real name mm-hmm. um and then they have this almost kiss they're so close they're so close and then she walks off she like walks <laughs> off into the light to go have a baby oh <laughs> which you know in my like tallying of last words nate technically says the last words but sophie really she puts the button on the scene you know she's like "Mm, not yet and she kind of walks off that coat i want that coat (laughs) give it to me sophie give it to me um so yeah that is like just a killer episode so good because there's the the twist where the whole time that we think that the team is uh is screwing up and like not being great or on the ball they're actually just leading the other team on um, and I mean, like feeding into them. 
the other team was a quality team though. Totally. But they've got I mean, but they're each in it for themselves. They're not a family, you know? And so I think that gives us an us gives us an added edge, you know. I mean, so and we again, know each other so well. To see like their doppelgangers, like the evil version of each team member. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This episode's so great. What was it? Oh, the we were going to talk about. Uh, you didn't like that Parker had the ID on the um, on the, on the plate, on and the I think tray. yeah, on the tray. And I think that that was well, maybe they. I don't know. I read that later as they were laying the groundwork for um, like letting the other team think that they had the better of them. Okay. But okay. maybe that was too early. I don't know. That's just, that was, that was my hand waving later, but it makes or, sense to me. Or she was just, it was them escalating things. So he would get her phone, which they ended up using as a tracking device. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, because they had that from the beginning. I don't know. Yeah. Or they, when she, when he took it, she they they just utilized that. I don't know. Yeah. And that's fun to, fun to debate. Uh, so you had a really great heist light for us, so I'm going to let you take over for that. I mean... Because you sent it to me, and I was like, this is awesome. And then I was like... I'll just let Actually, I listened to a podcast. I don't remember which one. When uh, these people were just talking about how elder scams were on the rise, and like and how like easy it is for people to you know take advantage. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you my own con story later, like scam story later. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so I mean, it's one thing to try to con a grandma. It's one thing. Despicable inexcusable horrible you all you earn yourself a place in hell for for trying mm-hmm. to you know, con a mima we, we don't con mimas <laughs> we no. don't condone the conning of a mammals on this podcast we do not definitely not <laughs> we are vehemently opposed to it actually we Let are poor just grandma. Our poor yeah. grandmas on this podcast <laughs> but it's one thing to try to like you know con an entire country Mm-hmm. Not. <laughs> it's a whole other that's a whole other thing yes so what happened was <clears throat> a couple of gentlemen a dutch person named okay i'm forgive me i'm gonna butcher the name like hugo <laughs> underwater and then um some and then like a guy from portugal named jorge ponte sebastial and then a 51 year old brazilian dude they got oh, together. This is like, like across three continents. Or something. Yeah. And, and they basically went to the Angolan government and offered them this investment opportunity to earn money. So Angola's going to send them $500 million and then they were going to turn it into $35 billion. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I guess they set up a... Co- dummy corporation and all that jazz and this company called perfect limited and which is registered to the london account like as a storefront office or something and they're using hsbc bank but okay for those who don't know doing international transfers apparently is like 
a tricky business and you need like a lot of like codes and bank codes and all that stuff like that. So apparently I'm not a finance person, so I don't know all the particulars, but apparently there's something that account numbers and, and like banks have like swift codes or something. So we can go to the right bank, the right branch or whatever, as I understand it. Again, don't quote me on it. <laughs> yeah. Apparently there was some glitch in the transfer or in the computer or something. And then the transaction, apparently it, apparently the code marked it as something from interbank business rather than a customer. So there was a hold on it or something like that. And then, so like, it, it kind of like raised some red flags. So like now it's under, now it's now it's on the radar because obviously banks do like millions, hundred thousand millions of transactions every day. But there was some glitch or something that kind of put it on the radar. So they're scrutinizing it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so a, a, a consultant like ended up looking into it. And then this very enterprising teller who has earned a raise and then some, <laughs> the, one of the guys tried to like get transferred the money, but the teller got kind of suspicious and filed, the, filed like a, a report and then it got the account suspended. So the money goes back to Angola. Good. Poor <laughs> Angola. Oh my gosh. It's like a reverse Nigerian scam. <laughs> At some point, I think I may have gotten like a, one of those Nigerian scam emails, so but obviously I ignored it. But yeah, yeah. So, do you have anything to share, Steve? Anything um, to- no, I th- I thought that one was really neat. I love that. I mean, like the sheer chutzpah, the sheer balls on that, though. You know? Yeah. It's like, let's see. The thing is, like, it would never occur to me try to even do anything like that, though. So, what is it in them that makes them want to? makes them do that i mean i it it could be just be the way i was raised or something i don't know but it's just it which has never occurred to me to do that and that and that's just feel and calm but like on such a massive scale and to think that the reason i have to think that you could just possibly get away with it I, I, i don't understand there's there's a quote from tombstone which is one of my favorite movies of all time yeah, Wyatt Earp says, says, a man like Ringo has got a great big hole right in the middle of himself, and he can never kill enough or steal enough or inflict enough pain to ever fill it. And I think that's why some people feel the need to steal like, and, and to do things like this. Like, they've got a hole in them and nothing, like, they're hungry. Like, nothing is going to quench that or, like, satiate that. But some people are just plain evil. Yeah, and that's, I think that's what that evil kind of is it's that this darkness inside them that they need to fill with something and they can only feel something or feel better or feel good if they're hurting other people hurt people and hurt selfish people. yeah hurt people hurt people yeah thank you for talking with me again lisa this is such a good episode thank you Rem- on. yes literally anytime tell us where people can find you I am LaFresta1 on Twitter. <laughs> you will find me tweeting about books and politics. I rant on occasion and drop too many F-bombs. Hey, I understand <laughs> that. It's fine. It's fine. Um, man, I would tell people to go vote, but this will go up on Thursday. So 
I hope you voted. Um, you better have voted, my dear friends. Uh, <laughs> the future of the world depends on you. Um, I am, as always, at librariansty on Twitter and just about everywhere else as well. So thank you for listening. Uh, you won't see us, but you'll hear us again in two weeks when I talk about, is it the Iceman Ice job? job. Ice- the Iceman job co-host to be determined at a future date who knows who knows <laughs> i've got a couple people who um have expressed an interest oh yay yeah so i'm i'm excited to i mean i love all my co-hosts you know this you know this but it is fun to bring in some um some you know new people some fresh blood and see how they feel about hardison's con jobs like <laughs> do they think he's do they think he overplays things oversell <laughs> do they ship my ot3 and these are things that are i need to know <laughs> so very important very important the world needs to know christina needs to know do you ship my babies okay <laughs> until next time bye Thank y'all. You No, do not. Also, don't scam like entire countries. Only scam bad guys with lots of money who are screwing over good people.